oh, I have to do this podcast now that would have been brought to my attention yesterday, but I guess I have to do it now, which would be great if it was brought to my attention yesterday. That's right. We did the wedding singer. So you know what that means. It's in the basket, the writer's bagel basket. I mean, Cindy showed up. So right away, Scott, you got to be pretty psyched, right? Hey, buddy, I'm not paying you to hear your thoughts on life. I'm paying you to sing. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! Tear me apart, Lisa! Aw, dang. I'm so excited! I'm so scared! Oh, no. Hey, would you mind putting that gun away? My wife doesn't care, but I'm a very timid fellow. You idiot. Don't be mean. We don't have to be mean. Because, remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Hi, welcome to Rogers Bagel Basket. I'm Scott Kurland, and we're kicking off What is Love Month. That's right, February. What is Love Month? And if you're new to the podcast, if you've never listened to the show before, every month we do different themes. And February for Valentine's Day is What is Love Month? So we're going to be watching movie and TV shows that just scream rom-com or just pure romance. So we have a return guest, first time solo by herself. We have Miss Laura Fox. Hi, thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> can I can I do a little inside baseball, Laura, and divulge a secret? Oh, sure. You totally forgot that you had done this podcast before. I was confused because you have so many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when I was explaining to you, I'm like, yeah, I have this, and Hell is a Musical, and then I have, you know, the Urkel miniseries podcast, and then I have the Scary Movie miniseries podcast, and you're like, you have too many podcasts. <laughs> yeah, that's too many. <laughs> Leave some for the other kids. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> so what did we watch? Uh, we watched The Wedding Singer. Which um, is, yeah. to me, this is like the definitive 90s rom-com. Yes. I I had to look up some dates because it was so, everything about it was 80s, but it, it was filmed in, in 1998. And I'm pretty sure I saw it like, the year it came out or clo- you know soon after cuz i was 14 in 98 when did yeah. you see it i saw it i believe it opened february 6th 1998 um i i want to put you on the spot and be like google that see if i'm right um but <laughs> i saw it opening weekend with my friends i was 11 or 12 when it came out okay and i became obsessed with it to the point where a year later was my bar mitzvah, and my mom was like, write a letter to Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore and see if they'll come. Yes. And I'm like, no. That always works. What could go wrong? Well, it's because in Newton, Mass., there was a kid who wrote to the band Cake, and oh. they came to his bar mitzvah, and they played no a bunch of songs. And she's like, do you want Cake to come to your bar mitzvah? And I'm like, no. Oh, I love Cake. Yeah, but but not I don't I don't think uh, ska music at a bar mitzvah would be. Good. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, that's amazing. So why don't you give us the blockbuster rule for the wedding singer? You're in the blockbuster video. You're going down the aisle. You see the wedding singer. Look at the back of the the, the back of the backs, the back of the box. <laughs> and what does it say to get you to rent the wedding singer? Okay, I think it would say something like hopeless, romantic, Robbie Hart. Um, you know, is a musician for weddings, but his own relationship is falling apart. And uh, until he meets, you know, Julia. Um, Sullivan. Who is a, yeah, Julia Sullivan, who is. A, you wanted to say Julia Gulia, didn't you? Yes, yes. Oh, that's so that's such a good joke later on. But it's nice to meet you, Mrs. Julia Gulia. <laughs> Um, who's catering at the weddings that he plays music for and and I don't know how would it end Uh, and they fall in love and they do yeah and it all works out yeah I didn't realize that like so as someone who's planned their own wedding with their partner because when Haley and I got engaged we started like two years in advance planning our wedding okay for this movie said in 1985 they have three months to plan the wedding fuck you no that's not possible you can't you could do it in three months but you're dumb if you do yeah that no that that seemed really uh overwhelming to me i mean regardless of the time period like that does not seem like most venues and all that stuff are booked way out in advance yeah we had to book our venue like two years in advance as i said before yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. like they get booked up fast especially this is like it's supposed to take place in ridgefield new jersey which is like right over the bridge for new york mm-hmm. so if if this place was popular in the 80s people from new york would be having their weddings there on the cheap like yeah definitely yeah and i love how uh did you know that there's like six people from friends in this movie no not at all so so you have christine taylor who was phoebe's friend who dated ross and she was the bald girl okay then you have ross and monica's mom christina pickles is drew barrymore's mom okay yep then robbie's fiance linda is the copy shop girl who sleeps with ross uh yeah she she was familiar to me yeah yeah and then um brian posein is one of the mutants at table nine okay (laughs) he he was on friends before there uh alexis arquette was also on friends too because Mm. their you know sister-in-law was courtney cox um gotcha and there's one other person i can't remember who it is but i'll think of it later okay yeah, and the role of Glenn, I mm-hmm. looked at all the people they offered it to before they offered it to Matthew Glaive, who I think this was like his first role. And I okay. only know him from this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was not super recognizable to me. I don't know if he's done TV or, or what else. He was else, in Corky but... Romano. That's what uh, the MDB says. 
Um, I totally forgot that Steve Buscemi was in this a uh, bunch. Steve Buscemi is one of my favorite things in this movie. Little newsflash, Pop. <laughs> Harold ain't so perfect. Remember that time in Puerto Rico when we picked up those two, uh... Well, I guess they were prostitutes, but I don't remember paying. Okay, how about that? <laughs> how about that? Yeah, how about Terrific. Huh? I'm a person too, Pop, goddammit. I'm a person too. You're a moron. Yeah, and he, and he is like kind of uncredited, but I was like, wait, is that Steve Buscemi? And then also singing at the end, that was a great full circle moment. Well, I think it, I think it was like, a callback to Billy Madison, how he randomly just shows up in Billy Madison. Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> the guy who Billy bullied in uh, in high school, and he calls mm. to make amends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, Glenn, here are the people who they offered the role to, and they said no. Oh, okay. They wrote the role for Jim Carrey, because oh. they, they thought it'd be funny the two biggest comedy stars to be at odds and they were going to make the the part a little bigger. Mm -hmm. Uh, Then they offered it to, and I think this would have been perfect. John Cryer. Mm. Ducky. Like that would have been great. Yeah. Uh, They offered it to Matthew Broderick. He said, no, they offered it to Charlie Sheen. And I think he was off the wagon at that point. So, um, so he couldn't do it. Or he, I think, oh, it says right here. He said yes, but he was an insurance liability. Mm. Uh, so, I wow. I could see him being good at that part, though. Yeah, yeah he would have been great. And uh, Ben Stiller was the other person they offered it to. Oh, yeah. But he turned, I mean, obviously they offered it to Ben Stiller. Right, but, right. But he was doing There's Something About Mary at that time. Okay. Oh, I was off by a week. It opened February 15th, 1998. Well, I was going to say, um, when, you, when you gave the first date, I was like, oh, they released it as a Valentine's Day movie because it is a rom-com. And that's, you know, why we're doing it now for your podcast. But that's, <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. The 15th. Yeah. Oh, February 13th, 1998. Oh, okay. They, op- they opened it on a Wednesday? That makes no fucking sense. A soft opening. (laughs) Hey, kids, want to ditch school to see Sandman? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Do I? Uh, I'm trying to remember. Was this? No, this wasn't the movie. My dad, uh, there was a movie that he signed me out of school. Like I was like, oh, God, what's wrong? Is someone sick? Is grandma okay? And he's like, yeah, we're just going to the movies. I thought it was this. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty much what we did. Uh, It was for A Knight's Tale. Oh, cute. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. I remember, I think it was my senior year going as a school class trip to see Finding Nemo, (laughs) like during the day. That's insane. Yeah, it was very weird. I mean, I liked it, but was I was there, like, why, why are we doing this? <laughs> wait, was it like an oceanography class or? I don't think so. I think it was like a senior class, you know, fun, f- fun week thing. <laughs> what if it was just some yeah. kid trying to get you to skip and you didn't even realize it? <laughs> but you said it was a school. You have a teacher here. Oh, no, that's the guy who's 25 years old. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> the 50-year-old the senior. <laughs> He, l- he lured me with fish and popcorn instead of puppies and candy. 
jeez. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> so Betty White was offered the role of Rosie. Oh, that, yeah, I could see her doing that. That she was such a great. sweet part, too. Yeah, so in the the Broadway musical, not to tie it into my other podcast, the Broadway musical of it, Rosie is his grandma. In this, she's like just some yes. old lady who helped raise him when when his parents uh, died. I yeah, guess. I thought she was kind of like a neighbor person, and that's how she became a student. But yeah, that yeah, that kind of works as a family member. Oh, and, and they I, also offered uh, Christopher McDonald from Happy Gilmore Shooter McGavin the role of Glenn too. Oh, for the musical or for the film? For the film. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that is the only time I'll be talking about the musical. <laughs> I did not enjoy the musical. Oh, uh, I mean, I haven't seen the musical, but I love Laura Benanti, who played Julia in it. and I she, love Stephen Lynch. The songs are really funny, so it's a good time. I just remember when I lived in New York, like, they were, they couldn't give those tickets away for the wedding uh-huh. singer. Like, well, I please go see it. I worked on, uh, you know, that song "Get Come Out of the Dumpster." Um, I worked on that song in a musical theater class, and the pianist, the accompanist, uh, like made fun of me for it. He was like, "No, I've never seen this show. Why would I ever see this show?" And I was like, "Rude." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but, yeah. <laughs> okay, I I did like the song "If Only." I like that song. Yeah. Or yeah. if I could, if I told you, if I told you, that's what it is. Oh, and John Lovitz was the other person who was on Friends. Oh, okay, yes. Yeah, John Lovitz was on Friends. John Lovitz. Uh. So they offered the role of Julia to the following people, and there are some questionable things, and uh, some questionable actresses that they offered it to because of age discrepancies. Okay. So the age-appropriate ones, they offered it to Jennifer Lopez. That, th- oh. but she did Selena instead, which mm. smart move. They yeah. offered it for Gen- Jennifer Aniston. Uh, mm. They offered it to Jennifer Garner, Molly Ringwald, Julia Roberts, Diane Lane, which Diane Lane would it would have been my perfect role if they couldn't get Drew Barrymore. I love Diane Lane. Are they uh, the same age? Her and uh, Sandler, Adam Sandler. Uh I think so. Okay. See, people don't know that because, like, she was a child actor, so they just automatically assume. Right. Yeah, I thought she was older. But. Uh, Justine Bateman, Christina Applegate, Cameron Diaz, Elizabeth Hurley, Sarah Jessica Parker, Lori hmm. Laughlin. Huh. <laughs> Guess she could pay for her kids to get in college, but couldn't pay for her to get in the movie, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Heather Sorry. Graham and Brooke Shields um. uh, and Nicole Kidman. Oh, wow. Oh, and Laura Graham was the last one. Now, the confusing age ones, this is where it's like, uh, what? <laughs> Jennifer Love Hewitt. Yeah. Uh, Katie Holmes. Mm-hmm. And this one blows my mind. Natalie Portman, who would have been 16 or 17. Yikes. Yikes on bikes. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. I mean, I, I really thought that Christi- um, Drew Barrymore Drew Bar- was so perfect. Oh, I had the biggest yes. crush on Drew Barrymore <laughs> when I saw her in this. Like, she, this and uh, uh, Never Been Kissed. She's just, she's the epitome of like wholesome, sweet, tr- genuine, trustworthy. Like, you, it's so easy to love her. 
you know, she just kind of exudes that like um, safety. Yeah, and, and the bob, the her her eighties. Yeah, her little. Yeah, yes, the little like flip flip bob. Uh, yeah, adorable. I also just love how this was the time where we thought that 1985 in 1998 was such a long time ago. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Where now it's like 1985. Now that was like, that was like a hundred years ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. yeah. So with, with Sandler in this, I think this was the first time people actually started taking him seriously. This was a really great role for him, I thought, because, you know, most of his movies are are very silly or very, like, juvenile, you know, characters. Yeah. And, yeah, he's, he's, he's more of a, he's more mature in this, or you, like, see him mature in this. Because leading up to this, the roles that he did were Airheads, Coneheads, a lot of heads, <laughs> uh, Billy Madison, uh, Happy Gilmore, yeah. Bulletproof, and then this. Mm-hmm. So those were all like dumb, stupid movies. Yeah. And do you think, like, I don't know the, the timeline, but do you think this was kind of a turning point to help him play more mature characters and kind of transition out? Yeah. I mean, well, right after this, he did The Water Boy. So that didn't really help. Oh, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> but after that, he did Big Big Daddy. So. Yeah. And that's a switch. Yeah. Yeah. He did Big Daddy. And then I think he did Rain Over Me. Mm-hmm. Um, but him and him and Drew Barrymore, like this was chemistry that I never thought would work. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at like Drew Barrymore, she comes from like Hollywood and theater royalty. She mm-hmm. was a child star. She got her first big break in ET, and then you have the guy who just goes on was on SNL and he's like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know he was always ridiculous, but he was also always doing musical comedy on SNL. And right. so I, I that was that stood out to me when I was rewatching this. I was like, oh, yeah, like he he really wants to be a singer. You know what I mean? He's like, have you heard that thing before of like most comedians want to be singers and most, you know, singers want to be comedians? There's like yeah. that. And I, think I think that's how he gets Dave Matthews in all of his movies. Yeah, I mean, probably. Um, but yeah. I think the reason why I watched this all the time as a kid was it's so like, I don't want to say it's like a fast movie, but it move, it goes by so fast. And yeah. it's just very breezy. <laughs> There's nothing really terrible in it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I guess the bar mitzvah where the kid grabs her butt, that does not age well. <laughs> You know, yeah, right. There were a couple moments that I was like, oh, okay, this isn't this didn't age well. But um, but even that, I liked how they kind of handled it because then it's like she did it back to him and then everyone sort of did it as a joke. So it didn't feel as, you know, harassy. <laughs> did you recognize that kid? Yeah, wasn't he in Matilda? Yeah, it's Bruce Bogtrotter. He's, that's the cake guy, right? Yeah. Bruce, yeah, okay, good. I thought Brucey, so. Brucey, Bruce Bogtrotter. Yeah. <laughs> Chocolate cake. She oh, put her man. blood, sweat, and tears in. See you at lunch. <laughs> so wow. this is how many times I've seen this movie. Like my friends and I used to watch this all the time in middle school that we were trying to figure out how Bruce Bogtrotter ended up at this bar mitzvah. Like, was he a yeah. pity invite? Well, 
I mean, you've had a bar mitzvah. I did, I did not, but I did have a friend who had a bat mitzvah in school. And I got to tell you, the entire class was invited. Like everyone in our entire grade was there. It was yeah, not we, like we your 20 <laughs> friends. It was everyone. So I did my 20 friends. Because, okay. So uh, I was trying to figure out, my friend and I were watching it and we think we finally pinpoint, we pinpointed who the kid was that invited him. We think it was the kid sitting next to the grandpa when the grandpa's like, I'd like to do more than dance with her. And oh, I, yeah. <laughs> and the, the socially awkward kid who's like, yeah, grandpa. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, let's unpack that. No. <laughs> um, yeah, that makes sense. And did you notice that there's a kid who looks like he belongs on Where in the World is Carmen San Diego? Oh, at the, no. At the bar oh, mitzvah? With the hat? The kid with the fedora and the blue yes. blazer? <laughs> Yes, that did stand out. I was like, okay, we have a sharp dresser. <laughs> Man, this kid should be with Rockapella. <laughs> oh, I love Rockapella. I actually saw them live in Gardner, Massachusetts. Oh, Fun really? Fact. Yeah. <laughs> when, when we were doing the miniseries for Where in the World is Stephen Quincy Erkel, we approached the guy who wrote Where in the World is Carmen Sandiego, the lead singer of um, Rockapella, and we're like, hey, can we do this? Like, we have a parody that we want to do. Do you mind if we do it? And he's like, no, I don't mind. But this is how much it's going to cost. And he wrote down a, a number. And I'm like, oh, we are a not funded podcaster. Oh, <laughs> it was bummer. like a ridiculous number. It's like, hey, yeah, sure, you can do it for $12 million. I'm like, Holy no. Crap. Please contribute to our GoFundMe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. So I, I would joke uh, with my co-host, with uh, C.B. Brown. I'd be like, and this podcast is brought to by viewers like you, but not people from Rockabella. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, clear distinction there. Um, When Robbie gets dumped, mm-hmm. I was waiting to talk about this as long as I could, but she waits until the day of the wedding. This is where the whole planning the wedding three months in advance and and not letting him know until the day of the wedding. Like, they would have known sooner, right? Because if the mother didn't show up, because they said Linda's mom called. Oh, okay. So, Robbie getting stood up at, at his actual wedding? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, th- I feel like that happens not a lot, but we see it in, in movies a lot where everything is fine up until the day because I think it's like you're distracted by all the planning and then when a moment of truth actually comes, like people get cold feet and they freak out because they oh, haven't no, really no. thought about it. That I understand. But oh. I mean, they said that the mother didn't show up to the wedding. She called. I feel like oh. the parents would have been at the wedding. She just wouldn't have shown up. Yeah, that's probably true. Um, I was going to say like maybe she was... If Linda was getting ready at her house instead of on site, you know, that would be a reason for them to not physically be there if her mom was helping her in some way. But but yeah, that's uh, yeah, I don't know. Normally, it's not the mother of the bride. It's like your bridesmaids and stuff. So, right. Like, I'm like, if she wasn't going to marry him, she would have told everyone else. So it would have just been him and his side of the family sitting there. That that other side should have just been dead empty yeah i mean i think that's why i feel like it, it 
it must have been a day of yeah decision and not yeah and we also had the first uh inkling of the vitamin strings quartet oh yeah <laughs> yeah playing don't stop believing I loved that. I was like, this is actually really nice. <laughs> well, I thought that was great, but yeah. especially as a kid, but then like growing up and then you have like the Vitamin Strings Quartet, the ones who do the music for Bridgerton and do mm. modern adaptations or classical string adaptations of modern songs. Mm-hmm. Like now it's just senseless on me. Like when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And now as an adult who, who's heard like, 20 million different versions of don't stop believing on a cello i'm like oh okay, okay yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right too much too much cello no not enough cello maybe a nice <laughs> upright bass mm. uh so what is your relationship with this movie like you mentioned that you saw it when it first came out but like i gave you a list of different rom-coms that we could have done and mm. you picked this what is it about this You know, uh, I really like the, um, what what would you call it? Like the the overarching theme, which is, uh, you know, you have these two kind of hopeless romantic people who have tried to make a lot of other relationships work. Like they've ignored a lot of red flags, you know what I mean? And they've kind of like, they're sort of, hoping looking for the best in their in their partner or hoping for the best instead of like seeing them for who they really are and I I I love the I guess the lesson that um by the end they both have figured out like you have to be you know true to yourself and follow your heart and his name is his his last name is heart like I just think it's really it's a good like moral you know yeah it is yeah also, the wedding topper cakes for Robbie's wedding cake that don't, didn't get used. Did you notice that they look exactly like Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler? Yeah, that was that was a good touch. Yeah, they did that on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because this is such a '90s rom com. Like, for me, this is the the '90s rom com that nailed, you know, the trope of '90s rom coms, where a lot of people say that pretty woman is but oh <laughs> honestly pretty woman yeah. pretty woman is a rom-com about a hooker right who i'm sorry you can't cinderella pretty woman like yeah you can't cinderella that story and then yeah that that doesn't age as well <laughs> and then the other one that a lot of people are like is a definitive rom-com is my best friend's wedding which mm-hmm. no because that it, a she doesn't end up with the guy b she's the villain of the movie mm. and c the only reason why people remember it is because of the Burt Bacharach song in the movie oh yeah yeah that's about it for me this yeah. is like the rom-com this is the 90s rom-com and this is i think a lot of rom-coms are are very forced or superficial and you know, and they they have that like fairy tale quality where you're like, oh, okay, I guess these people who just met <laughs> are going to get married now. But like, throughout all of the wedding singer, we we see real reasons why they are compatible and what they have in common. And yeah, and they're really, good at riffing. Yeah, you really and you really root for them because you're like, oh, they they have like genuine um, 
you know, I don't know, commonality. <laughs> yeah, the chemistry. And they, yeah. they, you could see them actually working together. It's not just an attraction thing. I also love how Sammy is such a creep when he first <laughs> sees her and then at the engagement party and Robbie throws her, him under the bus. Yes. <laughs> He's like, you say you were going to give it to her. Give me what? <laughs> Wait, you're not going <laughs> to give it to me anymore? <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. Yeah. I was, in my head, I really thought that he wound up with Holly at the end. In the show, he does. Okay. I think it's implied that they end up together. It makes sense. Yeah, it does. Honestly, I wanted Mm -hmm. him to end up with the hobo, (laughs) the wino, (laughs) the bar. Oh, yeah. It'll be okay. (laughs) It was funny. Yeah. So, on the whole, there is one thing that I still never understood why this person was in the movie. And that is, why is Billy Idol in this movie? Well, they, yeah. Oh, oh, do you know? Do you know the reason? Oh, well, I was just going to say, I mean, they mentioned him at the, they mentioned him at the beginning where, uh, well, not at the beginning, but at the, when they go on that double date at Sparky's Mm -hmm. and, um, it's like another thing they have in common where Robbie's like, oh, you know, I love Billy, Billy Idol. And she's like, oh, me too. And he's like, oh, he's coming, he's coming to play you know, at, at some point. And she's like, oh, I would love to go. So I thought that was a throwback to that. Like, oh, he's on this plane because he's touring. It was, it was supposed to be David Lee Roth. Oh, no way. Yeah, and he didn't show up. Oh, my God. So last minute, they just called Billy Idol and he's like, yeah, sure. Cool. I, I, I would have loved for it to be David Lee Roth and be like, yeah, sure, Robbie. Abala, abala, abala. <laughs> But Billy Idol in this movie is, he's in the movie for like two minutes and he mm-hmm. steals the entire movie. He's the one I always remembered the most of. Uh, how you doing, sir? Chicken or fish? You better get out of my way, Billy. You're going to get hurt. Oh, yeah. Don't you talk to Billy Idol that way. He's, yeah, he's so cute. Uh, <laughs> rallying the passengers. <laughs> no way. <laughs> <laughs> I never realized how much he sounds like Jason Statham. <laughs> Yes, no. <laughs> Greetings, ladies and gentlemen. We're flying at an altitude of 750,000 feet. <laughs> Clear skies <laughs> all the way to Las Vegas. <laughs> I just I love the part where he's like, and because we let our first class passengers do whatever they want. <laughs> <laughs> Which I remember I flew first class once when I was little, and it was because they had two open seats in first class and then they saw me and my sister and they're like do you guys want to go to first class and we're like yeah and wow well there was like no meal this was like a connecting flight it was literally oh. 30 minutes in, in first class but <laughs> i do i do remember the hot towel and i'm like what do i do with this <laughs> <laughs> that's cute i've never flown first class sure would like to this was like 90s first class. This was when, oh, we were actually on our way to Las Vegas. Oh, my God. One planes let you have luggage and yeah, <laughs> and seatbelts. Yeah, this was right before my bar mitzvah, too. This was ah. actually around the time of the wedding singer. Um, okay. Yeah. Honestly, I'm glad that I did not write a letter to Drew Barrymore and Adam Sandler to come to my bar mitzvah because Aww. I don't think I've ever told this story on air. Um, so... You get to be the first to hear the story on air. Um, 
Well, my dad knows the story. He's probably listening and my wife is listening too. Hi, sweetie. Um, (laughs) So at my bar mitzvah, they had what is called a snowball dance where they have the bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah, boy or girl, um, stand in the middle and then you go around and you pick someone to slow dance with and then he calls snowball and then you switch partners the DJ found out the name of the girl who I had a crush on at the time. Oh, boy. And called her up in front of everyone huh. to slow dance with me. Nice. And her boyfriend was watching in the corner. Ooh, how was that? Not great. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, wait, I, I I did already tell that story. I told it uh, on the music video episode. But... Imagine if I did write a letter to Drew Barrymore to come to my bar mitzvah, then I'd be like, I have a crush on Drew Barrymore. (laughs) (laughs) Let's create that scene from The Wedding Singer. Yes, please. (laughs) Oh, wait, this was 98. Oh, she would have been dating Luke Wilson. Luke Wilson would have come to my bar mitzvah. Oh, funny. (laughs) Hey, this is my brother Owen. Oh, hey, how's it going? Congratulations, <laughs> Mazel Trav. <laughs> Thanks. I have no idea who you are. Where should I put your card? <laughs> In a few years, I'm going to be Lightning McQueen. Snazzy. <laughs> yeah, that would have been my bar mitzvah just turns into all of these celebrities just randomly showing up. Yeah. Sandler brings Chris Rock and Norm MacDonald. This is good advice for the children listening. Invite celebrities. <laughs> I promise it won't get out of hand. Right. Uh, yeah. Um, Did you, I, oh, what? yeah. Go, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to ask, do you remember the show The Pretender that was on in the 90s, early 2000s? On NBC? I think so. Yeah. That was one of my favorite shows, and I wrote to Michael... Um, Oh, what was his name? His last name. But the the guy who played, you know, the the pretender. You wrote to the pretender of the pretender? Yeah, I wrote to him and I like I asked for a headshot or something and I, uh I got a letter back, but <laughs> <laughs> I remember I remember when we were in college and I got the contact info of Eric Bogosian cuz oh. I I wanted to do suburbia mm-hmm. and uh, his assistant wrote back, Eric is in response of your email. At this time, he's not giving away the rights, but would you like a free headshot of Eric Bogosian? And I wrote back, uh, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. I was like, no, no, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no I, don't, I, don't, I don't want... I'm good. I don't want playwright Eric Bogosian's headshot. <laughs> That's so odd. Because then I would have had to explain that because, like, I mean, you and I are friends. You know, you used to hang out with me in college. You would have walked into my dorm and be like, Scott, why do you have a signed headshot of <laughs> Eric Bogosian? I yes. don't know. And, oh, I would have shamed you. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see how it is. You didn't invite Adam Sandler to your bar mitzvah, but you got a signed <laughs> headshot of Eric Bogosian. Yeah, that's that's the plan B. Yeah, under CH2 <laughs> villain Eric Bogosian. <laughs> uh, but yeah. uh, I think, okay, so 
Growing up, my mom didn't really want me watching Adam Sandler and Jim Carrey movies because she thought they were annoying. Then she yeah. saw this movie and she's like, okay, you can watch Adam Sandler movies. Then she saw The Water Boy and she's like, I'm starting to rethink this. <laughs> yep. Right. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. But this <laughs> Go back one, to being this charming. Really good. Yeah, this one's really good. Yeah. Um, Christine Taylor is in this movie. <laughs> right, right. Marsha Brady. And th- th- that's the other thing that doesn't age well is they're like oh yeah you you make out with everyone i'm like oh that doesn't age well yeah i was like okay (laughs) can't we just be sex positive yeah (laughs) let's not shame anyone well not just that but this is like the same year as sex in the city right and then you have like samantha (laughs) is that really when sex in the city started i think it is oh my god i didn't realize it had been out that long yeah, I mean, that new awful one just started. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen any of that yet. 1998. Dang. Wow, I had no idea. Yep. Oh, Judd Apatow uh, and Carrie Fisher secretly rewrote the screenplay of this movie together. What? Yeah. And Carrie Fisher did a ton of screenwriting rewrites at this time. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah, she was the one who added the whole scene at the end on the airplane. Mm-hmm. She also added uh, her in front of the mirror doing, Glenn and I are oh. so happy. I'm Mrs. Glenn Coolia. I'm yes. Julia Coolia. Those are great. Yeah. I I think I have the list of all of the movies that Carrie Fisher secretly like ghost wrote for and it like blew my mind it it wasn't like one or two she like secretly i think she did a rewrite for james cameron of titanic wow that's wild i I didn't know she wrote it all yeah uh i think she got taken seriously when she did postcards from the edge um but yeah good for her i hope she gets her big break someday <laughs> yeah, I hope that lady does well. Oh wait, now two connections because you were on Hell is a Musical and you talked about Debbie Reynolds and Carrie Fisher. That's right. <laughs> Crazy. <Ba-da-ba-ba-da-da>. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not reaching for straws right now. I'm not yeah, grasping no, no. at straws. There's a very clear connection. It all <laughs> makes sense. Yes. I still I still the one thing that I don't understand about this movie whatsoever is why does everyone think Robbie belongs in a mental institution? Like, if I got left at the altar, I would have been, like, worse than he was. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think I think this is just very much still the the age of, like, shoving your feelings down and pretending things are fine. You know, I think we're a little more accepting and tolerant now about expressing emotions but yeah yeah, i mean getting stood up publicly like that is devastating and then obviously i think it would be one thing if he had to go and work at an office but his job is singing at weddings so it you know it's just like makes it that much worse yeah and i tried to do the math like so he did like maybe three gigs a weekend at 60 bucks a pop that's like $180 $180 in 80s, 80 bucks. Well, we call it 1980s bucks. Like, in 80s dollars. In yeah. 80s. <laughs> that today would be like what? Maybe $1,000? Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh. Maybe. A thousand. Yeah, maybe. Well, it's like 30 years ago, so. So, oh. triplet, ad for inflation, carry the two. Right. Now, he probably, like, wedding singers now, because a wedding singer isn't really a thing anymore. I know. Most people do get DJs now or, you know, or just have their friend, like, play a playlist and, and not have a live group at all. Yeah, I think I've only been to one wedding where they had a uh, a wedding band. Mm-hmm. I That was my cousin's wedding in, like, early 2000s. And I just remember the guy acted like he was a flat-out rock star <laughs> until he was taking requests and they, like, asked for, like, 1950s music, like Buddy Holly songs. And, oh. like, he, th- no, this gets weird, Uh-oh. Laura. This gets really weird because <laughs> he had Aww. Buddy Holly glasses on him that, like, he took out of a little case because he, he had a list of songs that, that he was willing to sing. So I was like, oh, that's so cool. He had He had that prop ready to go. And then, like, on the drive home, I'm like, wait a minute. He had that ready to go. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, like you think he he was hoping people would ask for it? Or? Well, he, he there was a list of, of pre-approved songs that mm-hmm. they could choose from. And one of them was Every Day by Buddy Holly. Oh, okay. So he had that ready to go. Like yeah. If someone picked Belle Beveau, he probably would have, you know, brought out the big shades. and. <laughs> right, right. I don't know why you'd ask for Poison by Belle Beauvau at your wedding, but <laughs> <laughs> Wedding Singers, thats that was like my only forte into that world. And that guy was more like John Lovitz than Adam Sandler. Yes. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And I still don't understand the whole like thing of everyone hating on George for singing Culture Club. Yeah, I don't get... If, if that joke, I think, I guess the joke is just that that is a sad song. It's a ballad and it's, it, it's like a buzzkill at a, at a wedding reception. But I didn't think that he like performed it badly. I think people were just like, oh, you're kind of ruining the. <laughs> oh man, well, you have to be a boomer. Yeah. And then he played like every instrument. It was really impressive. Yeah. I, I always enjoyed the scene of George taking out the klezmer. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the clarinet and the, the klezmer clarinet trombone. and then playing the the trombone. And a love time can never destroy. Take it, George. And then sing, piano at the end, yeah. Yeah, to sing, uh, um, oh my God, uh, If Only, oh no, That's All by Ricky Nelson. Mm. Yep. There are a lot of songs in this movie about people who died tragically. <laughs> yeah, whoops. Yeah, this is also, I remember when this came out, I remember that one of the biggest criticisms about the film was, oh man, this is just trying to get you to be nostalgic and remember stuff. And then Yeah, and it worked. <laughs> oh, it did, but but today, like everything is nostalgic. I mean, how many reboots, remakes do we have? Like this one oh, actually yeah. was clever. Yes, yes. Yeah, I hope they just don't do the wedding singer too. <laughs> I know. Have you ever seen the photos from the the premiere of this movie? 
Uh, you mean like red carpet photos? Yeah. Or? No, I haven't. They had a wedding cake and they had Sandler and Drew Barrymore cut the cake together. Oh, that's cute. That's really cute. I love yeah. it. Oh, man. I still, to this day, I still get really misty-eyed when he sings <laughs> um, on the airplane to her. That is that was really really sweet. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I don't think this is gonna age as well as I thought it was. And then I saw it, I was like, God damn it! No, and it's like I don't know. It's not. It's just so genuine. It doesn't come across cheesy at all. I was like, squee, you know. <laughs> it's adorable. Um, and I, and I, I remember- also. Oh, yeah. go ahead. Go ahead, Laura. Well, I just also really liked how all the flight attendants, like, push their carts down the aisle. That's literally what I was about to say. <laughs> okay. I was, as a kid, that was, like, the two lines that I would quote the most is, I'm sorry, sir, I have to serve the beverages. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, sir, chicken or fish? Yeah, that was perfect. Oh, so good. Don't you talk to Billy Idol that way. <laughs> that guy was a professional wrestler. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. If if Ashley uh, if longtime guest Ashley Rogers is listening, uh, Ash, what what wrestler is that? Because I know you know, I know oh, she yeah. knows. Yeah, she probably does. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just get like a tweet at two in the morning with the name of a, <laughs> like it's it's Bomb Bomb Booey. Yeah. What? What? <laughs> like half asleep. All, all Millhouse style. What? Why are you here? <laughs> Yes. The other the other thing that I would quote the most is uh, when his brother in law is like, "I don't want to be known as the brother in law to the town psycho." Oh shit! Boy. I got water all over me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I always found that funny. Him just going, "Oh shit! There's water all over me." Well, it's great because he's just insulted this guy, right? You know, claiming it's that he's a loser, karma. and then he, you know, immediately. <laughs> makes this mistake so yeah it's, it's like karma <laughs> instant karma mm-hmm. uh glenn's friend is played by steve brill that's the guy who created the mighty ducks <laughs> oh no way yeah and heavyweights yeah. Oh, like i guess awesome. they were all friends and they all hung out him huh. judd apatow sandler and uh ben stiller wow yeah that's cool now I kind of wish that Adam Sandler was in Mighty Ducks. Not as Gordon Bombay or anything, just as one of the kids. Just as a duckling. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Fulton Reed. <laughs> I think that the reason why this is the one... So um, on Voodoo, I was going to rent this, and then I, I saw that I was part of the two-for-one Valentine's Day sale, and oh. I ended up just buying it. So now I own this. Um, oh, good. Yeah, but I, I just remember getting so excited. Like, I saw the trailer as a kid, had no idea what it was about, and then, like, the poster, um, they they plastered it up at the new movie theater. Like, in in Lowell, Mass., 
they had just built a brand new movie theater when this movie came out. And uh, one of the first posters that they put for everyone to see was The Wedding Singer. And I'm like, oh my God, that looks so cool. It's so beautiful. <laughs> Is that Drew Barrymore? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, so is there anything we missed, Laura? Is there anything we haven't talked about besides the Lovitz? Well, we haven't I, I would just say th- there were two moments that I made notes about because they really struck me. Um, and one is that the song that he is teaching, the, the his voice student, is it Rose, you said? Rosie. Rosie. That he's teaching her Till There Was You, which is from the musical The Music Man, which is about... A guy <laughs> who travels around swindling people into, you know, thinking that he can teach music. So I just mm-hmm. thought that was a really interesting, like, little, you know, sub-layer tidbit thing. And it was um, a song that John Lennon and the Beatles stole, too. Yes. And, I mean, the, the song itself is about, like, not realizing what love is until you find the right person, which is such a good, you know, metaphor for their relationship, too. Um and then there was a, the, a good line that I really liked at the bar mitzvah, which was, uh, why would you want to dance with somebody who doesn't want to dance with you? Oh. You know, I was like, oh, <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> oh, Sandman, you did it yeah. again. <laughs> I, have something, I have some dust in my eye. <laughs> well, I was thinking about, like, if they made this movie today, which I don't know if they could get away with making like because they don't make rom-coms like this anymore like netflix does but do you know who they who i thought would have been like the perfect robbie hart like who i would have cast in like a heartbeat to play oh who andy sandberg oh yeah and and they are like similar in in a lot of ways yeah Yeah, i could see that sandberg would be great but Mm -hmm. then you would have like a palm spring reunion because i would definitely want to see kristen miliati (laughs) as julia so anything else did i miss anything um besides the fact that those banana splits looked awesome oh my god yes they did (laughs) damn i love all eating in in movies yeah (laughs) do you know that that's the one thing that josh brolin always like if he sees that his character in a movie is eating he'll sign on to do a movie (laughs) no matter what Wow. Well, it's weird. I mean, a lot of movies and TV shows, I would say, like, you know, prior to the last 20 years, they they almost never show people eating at all because it's, as you know, it's a very tricky thing to do with, like, consistency. Do you know what was the first movie to really showcase that? Someone eating? I want to see if you can guess. To showcase someone eating. Like, every scene, every scene they're in, this person is always eating. Oh, 12 Monkeys. You're close. Okay. Ocean's Eleven. It is Brad oh, Pitt. Yeah, Brad Pitt is always eating. <laughs> he makes that, yeah, that's like his thing. In in it's Ocean's like... Eleven, he's always eating. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. So, yeah. I mean, what would Sandler's thing be? Like, Brad Pitt, now he always eats in movies. Tom Cruise is always running. There has to be something that Sandler is always doing besides wearing Sandler, like... Sandler's, like, always making weird voices. You know, even even in this film where he's not he's not particularly silly, but he still, he still, like, has some weird character voices that he throws around or the way that he yells at people, you know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Living in your sister's basement with five kids while you're off every weekend doing wedding gigs at a whopping 60 bucks a pop? 
Once again, things that could have been brought to my attention yesterday! I was like... It's cartoony. In this this movie, he's not wearing a, a UNH t-shirt, because I know that like <laughs> he does that a ton. He'll wear a UNH shirt. Did he go there? I think so. Hmm. He's from New Hampshire. He's from Manchester. Yeah, okay. I know he was New England somewhere. <laughs> he's a New England boy who always wears a New York Yankees hat. <laughs> <laughs> Blasphemy. Do you think that, like, because this sets such a high standard... If this movie tanked at the box office, do you think we would have gotten Fifty First Dates and the other uh, Sandler Drew Barrymore one? What what's it called? Blinded? I mean, uh, I guess it's possible that they still could have happened after the fact, but I think this definitely set the tone for like, you know, how they how well they work together. Yeah, because they were supposed to do before they did the the Brady Bunch style one. I think it's called Blended. Someone. I can't believe I'm saying this, but you can add me if I'm wrong. <laughs> uh, before that, the third one they were supposed to do together after Fifty First Dates was Click. Oh, yeah, that movie's depressing as shit. Like, yeah, I don't want to see Drew Barrymore sad. I want to see her happy. And yeah, you know, please make her happy. Yeah. <laughs> she deserves to be happy. <laughs> She had a rough childhood. She deserves to be happy. <laughs> should, should I should I on Instagram to tease this episode tweet out a photo of me at my bar mitzvah and tag Drew Barrymore? Absolutely. And and Adam Sandler and be like, hey, would have you come to this kid's bar mitzvah if he wrote you a letter in 1999? Oh, absolutely, you should. <laughs> oh man, a cease and desist from Adam Stan- Sandler's estate. And why did Drew Barrymore send me a bunch of daisies? Oh, oh they're, they're her favorite flower? Okay. All right, Drew. Yes. So, Laura, we have a, a rating system on this podcast. Yes. Out of 13 bagels. 13's great. Zero bagels is bad. How many bagels do you give this movie? 100 bagels. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would, I would give it 13 bagels. I mean, I think... I would say, like, the only issues I have with it at all are just, you know, t- time-related things, like things that didn't age the best that they, they could. But even those things were not so overtly offensive to me that it ruined anything. So I'm, I'm, I really like it. It's, it's very enjoyable. I'm going to go with 11 because that grandpa and the, the grandson high-fiving just still to this day, even as a kid, it creeped the shit out of me. And- oh, okay. I'm like, oh yeah. I was waiting yeah. for the, I was waiting for that guy's teeth to come flying out too when he had <laughs> Rudy. So Laura, is there anything you want to promote? You got anything going on? Oh, do I? That's a great question. You I want anyone to follow you on the gram? Ahead of time. Yeah, I mean I'm on I'm on all the social medias. Uh, my website is larafox.com, which is pretty easy to remember and has links to everything. But um, yeah, I'm on Instagram at foxlara. I'm on TikTok. I'm on Facebook. What else is there? YouTube. I'm on YouTube. <laughs> I'm just waiting what? for you to be like, I do commercials and shit. Yeah, I do. I'm I'm one of the main voices for dictionary.com. That's like the thing I do the most regularly now is the word of the day podcast for them um yeah and i you know i work in tv and film occasionally when it's not pandemic-y 
I just want to be like, Laura thinks that I do too many podcasts. Now's the perfect time for us to announce we're doing a podcast. No. Yeah. <laughs> right. Scott's brain explodes. <laughs> so I have another podcast called Hell is a Musical. Uh, yes. If you listen to this and you don't listen to that one, listen to that one if you like this. And if you don't like this, still listen to Hell is a Musical. Uh, that's on Instagram, Twitter, and uh, yeah, those are the two. You can find us at hell underscore pod or at hell is a musical on Instagram. And you can find this fine podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, or email at us at writersbicklebasket at gmail.com. Laura, thank you so mm-hmm. much for doing this. Yeah, thanks for having me. That You're welcome to come back anytime you want. Oh, yay. Right. I think you need a spinoff about like, bagel holes is that what they're called the little bagel bites <laughs> pizza in the morning pizza in the evening pizza <gasps> those are bagel yes. bites oh yeah yeah so until next time i'm scott Kerlin. bye bye <laughs>